Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 681. Phew, that was a skin of the teeth affair. Uh, I will, This is the Music Technology Podcast, uh, which we will get onto in a second. I just want to say uh, thanks for all of you uh, hanging in there. What happened was uh, I was trying for another cloud production because uh, that's what I want to try and do from Superbooth, because uh, Superbooth is coming up soon and we want to do some remote interviews and all that sort of thing. In fact, uh, if you do check out, go to superbooth.com. There's still plenty of tickets left. So uh, get over there and uh, book your tickets. Uh, lots of fun to be had, lots of entertainment and things. I have superbooth.com, not superdo. Anyway, so what happened was is I ran up this cloud thing because I did one last week. But as soon as I added more than one caller, the machine started to fall over. So I need a bigger boat, as it were. So I do beg your pardon for those of you who missed the uh, initial part and then came back and kind of wonder what's going on. Here we are. About, that was about the quickest possible turnaround I could manage. I'm using the same license. I'm allowed to do that on two computers. <laughs> so I had to shut the cloud one down before I could launch the one here. <laughs> but I got the name tags right. <laughs> and then we have Matt Hodson, who's the first, uh, first of our guests. How are you, Matt? Are you well? Well done, Nick. You can do this, mate. It's all going swimmingly. I'm sure oh, people don't it'll mind. Be fine. It. It'll be fine. It's all good. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's really hot here in Brighton today, eh? Um, yeah, not really much to report. I'm, um, it's good to be back on here. I've been busy again, right? Just writing loads of music, just loving all that. I've got actually releasing a music video uh, today at six o'clock on YouTube. I'm just There's looking for the link now. Here we go. I'm going to post that- it. I'm even going to be able to get it together to post. Oh, nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, people premiering music videos and stuff like this. It's actually quite useful. It's quite cool to do that kind of thing on, on YouTube. Um, if anyone from Apple's listening, though, I need we need to have a chat because all of my songs that I'm releasing, typically the way that I make music, it's they're all over ten minutes long for a track. <laughs> so when these things land on Apple, their policy actually puts it down as an EP and not as a single. So I then have to manually get in touch with Apple and ask them every time, can you change this from an EP to to a single? And uh, we go back a bit of to and fro, and they've just started ignoring me now. So. Um, it's a strange policy of Apple's. Please, can you change it? It's fine on every other streaming service. Ah, okay. Don't well, I, I'm about. hoping. I'm hoping that they. Yeah, there's all these kinks and things. So I just realised I ran the trailer of the show and it's uh, it's showing last week's or maybe even a couple of weeks ago. Who knows? That was one <laughs> casualty. What I want to try and do is be able to figure out how to synchronise uh, all of my. Um, stuff in the same place so i just basically make one show and i load it from wherever it is cloud or local i haven't quite got there yet so sorry about that but lovely to have you matt and uh the Cheers. uh the link is in the po- show notes i'm just oh, making sure that did get posted and i wasn't pasting yeah six o'clock else. on youtube if anyone wants to join in i'll ah uh, i think I'll i just paste i think what i've actually done is just pasted that no i haven't this this one i pasted the show uh today's show in there so i'll just paste that there we go that's the one that's where you want it. Um, so, anyway, uh, next of our guests, we've got a big... we got Charles Chicky Reeves. Charles is here. How are you, Charles? I know you, you, your camera's looking mighty fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I was just discussing with the other guests that um, I the plague has had hit my house, and uh, I've recovered now from, from it. And uh, so I had a, a two-week forced break. Um, but generally speaking, I, I'm aside from that that minor minor blip, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, we're doing touring right now, or the, all the festivals, I should say, with Howard Jones, and uh, and I'm spending the rest of my time either doing admin stuff, walking the dog, catching up, or yeah, doing well, music. Well, so. I'm glad I'm glad to hear you're all right because obviously my daughter's uh, currently on the tail end of it. I mean, it's a nasty thing for 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 some people. Many people get it yeah. milder, you know. I mean, but yeah, don't get it, folks. It's not good. <laughs> but lovely to have it's you, Charles. I nice. uh, lovely to have you. And now uh, we've also got Mr. Dominic Hawk in there, Mr. Wiggly dot uh, co dot uk, maker of the fabulous incinerator plugin and uh, host to uh, many. Um, you've been getting some quality guests on your show, Dom. <laughs> Absolutely, Inky the Cat, uh, Kent Spong, 
And uh, this week I was very honoured to talk to Charlie Clouser, who is a keyboard player of Nine Inch Nails. And I think it was a stepping point for him to come on this show. So hopefully he'll be on here very soon. But that was really interesting. If you want to search Mr. Wigley on YouTube, if you don't haven't subscribed already, um, it's, it was good. It was a really good chat. And he did my, da my daughter's quiz as well. So I, Charlie Clouser from Nine Inch Nails was coming up with names for my nine-year-old daughter's cuddly elephant, which, to nice. be honest, has been a, a life goal for a me for some time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if anyone wants to donate a super chat today, all proceeds go to a very large drink for Nick after the show. So I think that's uh, no, very, well, right. very well yeah. spent. I'm also getting lots of phone calls uh, um, from my partner who either is an emergency or uh, she's forgotten. Oh, but either one. So I'll go. We've also, we, we were going to try and have five. So we've got Mr. Dave Spears here as well. How are you, Dave? You all right? I'm all right. Yep. Chaos as usual. You can see by my makeshift headphones because i left i was going to do this from the cabin uh from the studio and uh when i got there i hit nick up and the bandwidth was i think it was an upload of about one and a half megs <laughs> so i jumped in the car and came back to my room at home ah. so yes uh, yeah, you were, have you got a large amount of bandwidth now from home, or is it dubious? Yeah, yeah, home is good, but uh, oh, that's yeah. okay then. Studio, what a nightmare! But it's in the middle of nowhere, so. But I have seen these vans driving around with some kind of fibre band, fibre band, something, mm. blah blah blah. Mm. And I'm like, you have yeah, Mr. Maybe. Musk, Elon Musk, and his satellites is now an option as well. No latency and all that kind of stuff. So you can. I'm thinking about it here. I have to buy a leased line because we live in the middle of nowhere here, which is really expensive. Um, but for about fifty pounds a month now, you can connect up to Elon and his uh, Satbot network, and uh, apparently it's pretty good. So worth. Wow. It's an, it's definitely an option that you can you can kind of go with now. Although Have you tried it, Tom? No, a friend of mine has, and it works. It's one of those things where it's beta, so I don't know if I rest my company on it. And also, you don't quite know how it's going to go as there's more and more take up. But it's absolutely an option because literally the least line coming to here is a hundred megabit, and it costs five hundred pounds a month to get that his house Ooh. whereas yeah. two miles up the road you can get pretty much the same for 25 pound a month or something do you know what i mean so so 50 pound a month for sat network is instantly 10 you know a tenth of the cost it's it's utterly crazy the way the way broadband works is you know they they are committed to put in to 80 percent of the countryside um a full broadband link and and because myself and a couple of other people in this area have paid for broad for, for heavyweight expensive links we just happen to be not into that 80 percent anymore so it's almost like they go down the list and go well we make quite a lot of money from those guys so we'll we'll stop halfway up that road with the, with oh, the connection you know what I mean? so, <laughs> it's like, okay uh, anyway I'm, ba I'm back in the room thanks for covering that good thanks stuff for that. and obviously interesting stuff too but so uh crikey right um <laughs> it's one of those days yeah. yeah it's one of those days it was delivery from amazon that's a, the monitor that i've been look, trying to get so i could do more of this remote stuff but he needs to speak to me and it's like but i can't speak to him it's like oh well uh, anyway never mind i'll have to wait until it arrives another time apparently you now have to show your passport when they drop it off i don't really understand the whole what yeah well in this, I, I don't really know how that works anyway no, sorry no, to no. uh sorry to be uh be be boring with the the, the key. We've actually got news this week. There's stuff going on. So uh, we should probably um, start with some news. Here's some. Yeah, this is the news that uh, there's the new Take 5 from Dave Smith. Which seems to be like a 5 voice Pro 3. In terms of looks, but it's got a proper filter as well. Right. So yeah, news. I guess it's the first. This is the first of the instruments that's kind of come out over under uh, Focusrite slash Novations Watch. So it's kind of interesting. They've gone with this five voice, and um, it's got this kind of two VC, two VCO, sub oscillator, Pro Profit Five Four Pole Filter Analog, dual digital effects drive, two LFOs. So it's quite a similar kind of form factor. It's just the voice count and possibly certain little bit of cosmetic stuff. Um, this 
it's about 1200 bucks so it's not super cheap but it's kind of more affordable so it's i think the pro 3 was around about a thousand quid so probably a similar amount so it seems this seems like i don't know whether this is economy of scale on uh, manufacturer or anything yet anyone got anyone got any uh, thoughts on the the pro did you buy a dsi did you buy a sequential ch chickies this is the sort of thing that floats your boat i've got a rev 2 ah um, yeah so i have a rev 2 it's it's okay so this is cheaper uh than a rev 2 um but it's not a lot cheaper than a rev 2 and uh the rev 2 has a lot of more a lot more stuff to it i mean i have a 16 voice version of it well it's um, two layers as well anyway isn't it so yeah yeah exactly um and as i'm learning because i'm really i've been diving into it it's actually sitting right next to me i've been really diving into it for the past week um okay so uh, there are things i like about this i love the fact that it's a it's a it's a, a, an aggressive sounding synth that's that's a good thing um it doesn't it doesn't sound like everything else out there which is nice um it just i i, I cosmetically i'm not crazy about it i think the it looks it's the thing that i don't like about my arteria stuff which i love arteria stuff but there but my, my um matrix brute is that what it is yeah matrix brute <laughs> yeah i forgot the name my matrix brute. that i don't i don't like those plasticky knobs um and i do like the really solid you know metal knobs on the rev too um and i like the wooden in cheeks which you can't do on this obviously um it's a and it's a slightly small keyboard. Yes, it's portable, but it's not it's not that it's not like an OP one. It's not that portable. It's right. just reasonably portable. Um, it just it, I don't know. It, I, I like I love I love what I've heard as far as the sounds go, but I, I can't I can't it's not quite selling it for me. And I, uh, my ref right. two will will sound just like that or yeah, well, better that's actually. True. Uh, that is true. I don't know, Dave. If you've got any, uh, have you got any sequential stuff? I guess you probably got profits and whatnot. So this is a, just a different generation. Oh, not different gen e era, I suppose. The new sequential totally. era, I suppose. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, no. All ours is really big and really heavy. Uh, I suppose apart from the old, we've got stuff like the six track and multi track and stuff like that. But yeah, all ours is old school, uh, original. Well, the dual manual Profit Ten, Alessa Rev Three. Uh, a Rev 2 Profit 5, Rev 3 Profit 5. I'd like a Rev 4 Profit 5 before <laughs> I get hooked on this. Well, and actually, we bought that Rev minus 1 thing. Bingo. You know, the, the, the kind of add-on. Yeah, no, it would be really nice. And a Pro 1. In fact, I thought about bringing it all back at some point and just kind of setting it up and seeing if I could make something meaningful with it all. Uh, yeah, no, I, I heard a couple of demos of this. I haven't even looked at the spec sheet, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I'm afraid you're talking to the wrong person. Uh, go back to the 70s and I'd be the right man. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Um, I don't know. Uh, yes, what are you thinking, Dom? You, I, you... I definitely want to try. I want to try it. it it's, it's set up to be slightly confusing, isn't it? I mean, I've got a Profit 6 uh, and an OB6, and I, I honestly love I love both, but Profit 6 is, is, is just such a wonderful keyboard. And, and this have being polyphonic with a small keyboard. A it feels bit a bit like, quick, get cheap. one out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it sounds brilliant, though. If they played the music on that um, on that little thing, a little you know, vid oh. piece that you ran on it, it sounded sounded fab. Oh, I'm going to go this way. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm sorry, oh, no, that's my way. fault. I haven't <laughs> got okay. my joystick. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah yeah i don't know it's it's not on my list i i it's one of those at the moment it falls into the slightly too expensive to be an uh, 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 well it's not an impulse purchase but you know what i mean it's, it's yeah. a difficult one isn't it i mean i can't see too much of a difference in buying one of those or a desktop version with no keyboard you know and 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 which will probably really come getting, along no doubt yeah no, i'm not getting well. too much more out of that keyboard as a player um but you know, I'd I'd love to hear it. You know, that's that's the main thing. That's what it's all about, and it is more affordable than some of the others. So, uh, but the, but the general take so far from all the people who haven't heard it either, apart from on the demo, has been like, well, that's a bit bit weird, interesting, but you know, a slightly odd 
oddly placed product, I suppose. But it's all yeah, about the I guess. I guess. Uh, I mean, the Pro Three sounded really nice. I mean, it's a great synth, but and and the uh, I guess having the five voices. I mean, five voice. I I'm personally quite like a, a low polyphony count synths as well because it makes you kind of choose your notes and get you know f- mm. use the sound. But uh, yeah, it's, it seems like an odd stopgap to me. I don't know what you think, Matt. Yeah, I, I had to. I actually had to look at the spec sheet because I've I kind of lost my way a little bit with um, with the profits um, and Pro Three and Profit XL and Profit X and the OB Six and Profit Twelve module. I kind of um, every time these are coming out, I'm kind of a little bit like, oh, what's the difference between this one and the other one? Um, you know, what are, what are the real differentiation? kind of things that are, that are really different between each of them. And I understand some of them have got more polyphony, some of them are semi-weighted, some of them have got, um, um, I think the Profit 12 module's got kind of four LFOs per voice and that kind of thing. So there's those kind of things. But beyond that, I, I would be really quite, uh, yeah, I'd need to sit down with all of them, have a good play with them all <laughs> to really decide about which one of these I would I would go for. Um, I must admit, I re- when DSi Instruments started out when he came back dave smith and he launched the the evolver i've talked about this before on the other shows but the poly evolver for me is i just thought that was just absolutely amazing and i was looking forward to seeing more of that if anyone's got a poly evolver by the way they want to sell me for really really cheap do um <laughs> send me an email I'm send it over, yeah okay please we'll, we'll <laughs> see if we could we'll see if we can get that arranged anyway i didn't want to spend too long on that um um but uh, yes uh, actually what i'll do is I'll, I'll quickly take a breather by uh, bringing in a little bit of uh, message from our friends over at isotope isotope producers club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level once you join you'll gain access to powerhouse isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners such as melodyne from Celemony. plus as long as you're a member you'll get every future update to the isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world renowned Berkeley Online taught by Grammy winning producer and engineer Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And of course, if you head over to isotope uh, slash isotope.com slash sonic talk, uh, you get the information on all of that stuff and kind of... uh, other deals that they may be offering our listeners. Thank you very much to them for supporting the show. Uh, right, well, I think we're going to leapfrog because um, this is uh, this is something I know Dave's very interested in. So this is the... Zeb plugin you can... Oh, it, Hi, is it? I'm Heinberg. Yeah, we go. Heinberg, that's who back. we're looking for. I knew very little about Italian synths before making this video. This is Heinberg's video where he visited... No, I've got to try and now. find all the bits. In the Marca region of Italy, tens of thousands of people worked on organs, accordions, but also synthesizers that were rather different from what the rest of the world was doing at the time. As many factories closed and companies disappeared in the mid-90s, the rich history of Italian synthesizers seemed to disappear forever. Right, I'll stop it there because uh, this is like a cornucopia. Heimbach went to visit. It's called the Museo. My Italian is terrible. Museo del Synth Marchigiano. I I guess that's about right. Uh, And it's uh, it's dedicated to uh, through between the sixties and eighties. There was a huge number of really innovative and unusual instruments. I mean, we know a little bit about like the Elkers and the Orla, that kind of stuff, and the general MIDI. uh, Was it? I can't remember what it's called now. But there was a whole sort of area of them. But there are many, many more, and there are some really interesting ones here. I mean, this looks like really rich pickings for somebody who's looking for synths to emulate or remake that they've never, never heard of. And they've got some beautiful stuff here. Let's see if I can find this. Uh, uh, let me see. So, yeah, Computer Rhythm, Cumor Spirit. Uh, my favourite was the CRB Uranus 2, which I don't know what they were thinking naming it that. The Milton Jemmy Chord, Logan String Melody for Alfiza. There's, there's a bunch of stuffs that is really unusual. and you, The video is well worth watching. Uh, let me just find the, the link and I'll post that in the chat room quickly. But it, 
it, it, what's interesting to me is I, I didn't know. About, I mean, this was all complete news to me. I know that Dave, you were involved a little bit in uh, some of the more some other Italian stuff uh, back in the eighties with sort of MIDI and whatnot. So perhaps you had a bit more to go on than I do. But some of these things just never ever heard of them. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, we all know about the Elka Rhapsody and the Synthex. I mean, Elka was obviously, you know, a big kind of world brand. Uh, but yeah, no, I worked. I did quite a lot of consultancy work in the 90s. Uh, and probably it's kind of started in the late 80s when the guy I was sort of in business with at the time, he was doing consultancy work for Farfisa uh, and went to stay at Mr. Bontempi's house who owned Farfisa and there really what, was there is Mr. actual Bontempi. Mr. Bontempi. Yeah, wow. who lived in a wow. like a mega mansion. Uh, and I remember him coming back and talking about this Mars thing, which was real time digital audio synthesis, which at the time, you know, was just like, what, what, what is this thing? Uh, and then when I was fortunate enough to see it in a lab, it was like, oh, wow, this was completely life changing. Uh, sounds that I hadn't heard before. Architect, just very, very, I mean, it, you, you needed a degree to operate it, but the point is, is that there were, this guy is absolutely spot on. I mean, I love what Heimbach does, but when he interviews the guy uh, who runs the museum, he's absolutely spot on because it, Italy was really, really important from the 60s to the, I suppose, kind of mid 90s. Uh, most of my work was done with General Music, which also went out as Gem. In fact, I was there when they acquired, they acquired the Elka brand. And that was an amusing conversation because it was, they needed to basically i was there to try and create a pro division or help steer a pro division in some direction because all of their stuff had been kind of home accompaniment keyboards i mean general music's history goes way way back you know 200 years church organs accordions just like Heinbach said um, we did the pro 2 piano which was pretty cool at the time that had a load of synthetic resonance uh with eight mega of memory uh, that was pretty amazing we did the equinox and the pro mega piano and i got them in dorsey's like you know emerson and wakeman and stuff and the real difficulty was was because you know the products i thought the products were great but because their distributors were so used to the home market which is very different to the pro market they just didn't know they didn't really know how to sell it, uh, so I think the sell through was quite a difficult, was quite a big challenge. I mean, there's a heartbreaking video on YouTube of the General Music factory, uh, you know, once it had closed. In fact, one of my one of my early briefs was quite funny. Uh, it was basically there was a corridor down the middle of the premises, and one side was engineering and they were very clever and the other side were the music guys the creative guys and i had more affinity with them than the kind of engineers so all of the kind of creative guys were master musicians i mean amazing guys johnny judici a guy called enzo bracero and chris anthony amazing but my brief from the kind of boss man uh, which was a bit like going into a scene from The Godfather was, you know, you are young and you need to get these people to talk to these people in order to create better product because engineering could create anything. But in order to turn it on, you needed to stand on one leg, put one hand in a bucket of water, press four knobs with something and then turn it on. And of course, creative guys were off on their own kind of tangent. Uh, and I spent two weeks there on one occasion. I mean, I've, I've flown there a lot. Uh, but actually, at the end of it, I just went back to the boss and said, there's only one way that we're ever going to get these two sides talking to each other. And that is one giant party with lots of cocaine and hookers, <laughs> uh, which was obviously a joke. Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing, just an amazing experience. And what happened was, I mean, so this was up just south of Rimini, they were. Uh, and they had a, like a hotel on the beach where I stayed, which was amazing. And I'm not kidding you. It was like 12.30 would come around. We go for lunch now. Three o'clock would come around having the most amazing lunch. And it would be like, we go do some work now. And then 5.30, 6 o'clock, we go for dinner now. And it was just like, I must have put on so much weight during that period. But I would go to these mad restaurants with these guys. And then they'd all be in the kitchens, you know, with the chef telling them what they were doing wrong. I mean, it was just such a brilliant vibe. And then people like Jean-Paul Gaultier would walk in and sit on the table. And I'd be like, 
Can I just call my wife? Can you just talk to my wife? But further south, where this is, this is what this museum is talking about is um, Reconarte was a really major manufacturing plant. So um, it's funny because obviously with the sequential circuit stuff, when it became sequential and they did things like the Tom and the multi-track, they came out of Italy. Ah, but okay. Roland were there, Korg were there. I mean, obviously Fatar were there. Uh, but it was a real hotbed, and it was an amazing period because there was so much creativity going on. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to come on the show today is just like hats off to the guys for helping preserve this. And the real pinnacle was, so I'm talking to Heinbach, and I'm explaining to him about this Mars thing, which I'd seen, and then obviously Farfisa stopped making musical instruments, just went into components. And I've always wondered what had happened to this and Heinbach sends me a picture saying that these guys rescued 20 from the factory and they gave Heinbach one. And he's at the minute, he's trying to find the leads to piece it all together wow. to see if he can make it work. And if there's one guy who can make that thing sing, it will be him. Nice. Oh, wow. Great story. Thank you very much for wow. that, Dave. It's interesting. Has anybody, because I've, I know, um, like, Will at Goldfrapp's got uh, uh, some Farfisa transistor organ stuff. He's got a really beautiful orange one. And uh, it's got an Elka Synthex, which I've never really played with. But outside of that, I just I don't I'm not that familiar with anything. Is it a show of hands? Has anybody else got any uh, any Italian synth experience? It's it's curious, isn't it? How how little of it is there is, and and in in many ways, considering there was so much creativity going on there, there doesn't seem to be like a golden era or a, a rich scene that at least that I'm aware. Of, I'm sure there must be of music that was produced by for the Italian culture during that time. You using those instruments it's a really kind of that's why it seems such a sort of hidden secret great video though great piece by Heimbach yeah there. it does it does make you wonder if you know if these synths had continued what their legacy would have been how different things might have changed in the music yeah. production scene you know instead of using a lot of the Roland the Korg synths which obviously have been quite dominant in in the synth synth world you know if these had actually took off just wondering what impact they might have had because, um, you know, some of these have got just such amazing sounds. There was a couple, mm. I didn't watch the whole video, but there was certainly a couple that jumped out to me and I was just like, wow. Wow, yeah. They, they, they sound really great. I think there was the Krumar, Krumar DS2, that one. Yeah. And that sounded amazing. And not only that the as well, the other thing that stuck out to me, Dave, was um, the interface for all these synths were quite radically different as you went across them. There was some of them that looked completely different from the others. And I'm presuming they're all within the same kind of period of time, pretty much. Um, I don't know what we're talking within 10, 20 years I or something so, like yeah. that, that period of yeah, time. Yeah. And um, they've all got quite distinct user interfaces and dials and character um, just to look at them before you even hear them. Um, so that, that they were the kind of key things that stuck out about me. But I'd love to have if these things had carried on, what the what the legacy would have been and how how it might change. Just just wanted to music. jump in there. That of course the Gen SX one thousand that was very popular. The little sort of affordable funky lead synth uh, seemed to be. That's probably. I, I remember there are a few bands that I work with in Bristol that had, used used to tour with those, and they were quite popular. And I guess they must have been afford one of the the sort of genre of or affordable mono synths that were possibly a little cheaper than some of the more famous brands. I guess. Yeah, the crew my DS2 was funny because I went to the States for the first time in 1978 or 9. And I've told this story a million times that, you know, they had like music stores with synthesizers in, which we kind of didn't really have over here. So I punctu I did a road trip across the US, but I punctuated it with visits to shopping malls that had synth shops in there. And I remember going into one and the guy, and I was like, this DS2 looks interesting. It's affordable. Doesn't it? And uh, affordable. it was, <laughs> well, not <laughs> now. Look affordable. <laughs> well, then it was, you know, compared to kind of ARP and Moog stuff. But what was yeah. fascinating is it was the first time that I learned about divide down oscillators because ah. I was like, wow, this, this, this. And the guy was going, don't buy it. Uh, not that I could have afforded it as a 16-year-old um, or 17-year-old. Uh, 
because you know when you release the keys it will jump to the last release keys all the notes will jump to that which is uh, obviously the kind of big the big mm. issue with divide down stuff and then he proceeded to try and sell me an up um quadra as if i had the kind of money for that but yeah um, it's just amazing wealthy. yeah well i like to pretend <laughs> i mean look at that thing i though. miss I mean, where they um sorry, sorry. i was just gonna no, say i missed gone. i missed why they 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 kind of dropped away as a as a thing like the I dinosaurs got wiped out by whatever it's like what did they I just spend too much time in the restaurants or what was it probably i mean there was certainly <laughs> an element of that uh in fact when i kind of ceased with general music and i was only there on a kind of consultancy basis uh, they had just done a deal with pv to sell their stuff through there but actually nick and i were talking about this pre-show and i'm pretty sure I mean, you can see a couple of synths in there. There's a CL, which was actually what became the Arc Quadra or vice versa. Right. Uh, not the Quadra, right. the Quartet, the little string machine-y thing. Uh, but I'm convinced now, looking back on this, and again, this is why this kind of museum is really important, and it's important to document this. I'm convinced this was the precursor to all the manufacturing moving to China. Right. Right. This is... Yeah. Right. I know, Charles. You you've toured a lot. Did you come across any of this stuff in your you know in in little secondhand shops in the Italian gigs that you? <laughs> where do they? Yeah, where are well, they, they all? You, you know, it's it's interesting. Like um, I was thinking about this when watching Highbox video. Is that <sighs> Italy does? Italy seems to be its own world. And it's certainly in my industry. Like I, I have yet to work with any acts that would tour Italy. Um, like they just—it's—it's it's like it's a—it's a parallel planet to them. And, and in the states, like I, like I, I didn't realize the Italians made sense until I started get, getting into vintage sense. Kind of uh, well, when I was in New York, you know, I, before I came here. But before that, I mean, there was there was Roland, there was Oberheim, Moog, Buchla, Korg. That's that's about it. There was just, you know, it just didn't seem to penetrate the American market at all. I mean, I I had heard about Elkos, um, but I never saw one. Yeah, never saw one. They're, they're quite, um, they were quite rare. I think. I mean, they, they used yeah, to be quite yeah, a lot all, of, all of this. In, in the 80s, I remember there was a, there was a period of time when you would there would be the major synths and then stuff like the Bit 99. There were these little synthesizers that you know would show up in Turnkey, where I guess they get like a batch, a small batch, and see if they could kind of uh, bring them in. I Actually, I that's a, yeah. yeah, and that's interesting as well because the Bit stuff was Krumar, and the Krumar spirit was designed by Bob Moog. Oh, really? As far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a huge tie-in with a lot of this stuff. And like I say, the sequential stuff. Actually, it's funny you say about the Elka stuff. We went down to look at the Elka premises when I was there after they'd acquired it. And there was a cupboard with a couple of Synthexes in. And I'd never really gone with a Synthex. I, I, I don't know what it was. I know it's supposed to be amazing, but I never really gravitated to it. But I remember saying at the time, so can I have one of those? Can I buy one of those? And they were like, well, we'll come back tomorrow, you know, and then we'll talk about it then. And when we went back the following day, they were all gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, excellent. I would just say it's a fascinating subject anyway. Um, so I'm just going to pop uh, another little uh, um, message from our friends over at Modal. I'll uh, just play us out. Uh, this is the Cobalt 8, of course, the 8-voice extended virtual analog synth with innovative oscillator with uh, more than 34 algorithms now. I think it's getting closer to 40 with uh, the new OS updates. Morphable 4-pole ladder filter, 29 endless encoders for real-time in control. Uh, Internal sequence and arpeggiator, MPE support for expression, modal app for Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and VST3 AU. Want to find out more? Head over to bit.ly slash underscore, bit.ly slash get underscore modal. I always get that bit wrong. I want to thank them again for their support. Um, Okay, right. Um, yes, uh, uh, well worth watching that video. Uh, it's Heinmax at his, at his finest, and so it's just some beautiful things here. So um, we're going to move the in totally the opposite direction now because something that I didn't... This is another one of our um, posts from uh, Midiera who's been doing a bunch of news for us. Uh, this it is... about 11 months to craft just one Steinway & Sons grand piano. And these we thought synths were expensive. Come cheap. 
base model 187 grand. Piano in ebony, the most affordable finish of any Steinway piano, will cost you about $187,000. But that right, I won't play any more of that because it's a business insider video and they're probably very litigious. But it was a really interesting kind of it's a bit of a reality check. And I, I know that I've seen this happen a number of times before when people are talking about you think synths are expensive, you know, buy a violin or a cello or whatever of any any vintage or any kind of worth and it's just an enormous amount of money but it just the this this is astonishing i mean steinway i think amongst the most expensive um the second most being beckstein i think i don't know about yamahas they're probably pretty expensive these these take an enormous amount of artisanal work and to, to create and it's all about the tone it's really interesting. i'm gonna come to you first matt i know you're not really a keyboardist but i'm guessing do you have any of these kind of quality instruments, any of the BIM stuff, or is it a bit kind of of a luxury? I mean, that that would be a yeah, luxury. not not a Steinway. We'd I think you know we'd rather spend that amount of money across the board <laughs> yeah, on, on multiple things rather than just right, guys. There's no tables and chairs, but we've got um we've got a Steinway grand piano. You can all look at. No one's allowed to touch it, mind. <laughs> um, but I remember uh, the university that I did go to uh, in West London, Thames Valley University in Ealing. It's now London. Uh, uh, University of West London, they had a Steinway there, um, and sometimes we was able to play on that, and it was in one of the big halls. And uh, sometimes, um, you know, I'd record it, get some nice DPA mics out, that kind of thing. But uh, I was often underwhelmed, sat playing at this thing, thinking, "God, this thing costs like more than you know, it's like the price of uh, a know, house, more than a car, yeah. like a house, yeah." <laughs> and uh, I actually been underwhelmed. I didn't quite, maybe it's because I didn't appreciate the quality of it, not being a pianist, not being brought up in that <laughs> sort of world. Um, but I was, yeah, I was kind of under, underwhelmed and watching, <laughs> it's funny watching that video. I mean, you even paused it at the a section where they're dig, chopping out that wood and the guy who's doing it's got these massive gold rings on as well. <laughs> like, they're, they're absolutely minted. You've never seen a carpenter with so many gold rings. And I it, missed that, nice spot. <laughs> yeah, you caused it exactly on that bit. and um, But it did make me wonder, you know, are, are we getting around to that possibility where we can start creating these amazing sounding pianos and start 3D printing them to some extent? And I understand the, the mechanics and the build and the quality of the materials and this, that and the other. And that makes it sound. But what if we started making the piano, do, you know, does it have to have, I mean, do they still use ivory Keys. No, they can't I do. I presume no, not. not. No. I mean, you know, I mean, what? I don't know what they're using now, but that didn't really make a difference to the sound, did it? I, I presume changing probably, that. Probably not that much. I mean, I imagine a, yeah. a kind of a real aficionado would be able to tell the difference, but that may be down to just the fact that the one with the ivory on was built longer ago. The glue's cured, the wood's cured. Things have changed in terms of stuff. I don't know. Um, anybody actually a proper pianist who would kind of... Uh, yeah, okay, we'll go to Chicky. Uh, so... I mean, th there is a, ma a really nice piano when it's well set up. And again, I mean, it's very much like having a, a, a load of analog synthesizers that need constant attention. You need to work yeah. at it. You can't just sort of buy one and leave it in the room. You have to, it needs a lot of acclimatization, tuning, all that kind of stuff, too, right? Yes. And up until three and a half weeks ago, I owned a Steinway Model D. I wow. just sold it. Um, drinks on you then. yeah uh, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i sold it uh because there's a hot chinese market for it so i actually sold it on a chinese auction um and i just wasn't using it enough um i also had had some issues with the way the pedals were on it so uh i, I steinway came and they looked at the piano or they're not a person named Steinway, you know, they're one of their technicians came, looked at the piano. He said, yeah, you know, we can, we can do this. Just, it needs a bit of work and, uh, you know, just a bit of finessing on the wood and so forth. And yeah, we can do that. It shouldn't be too much. And I said, well, how much is not too much? He goes, oh, maybe 20 grand. It's like <laughs> to, to, to fix a pedal. <laughs> no way, no way. I'm going to spend 20 grand on this piano, you know, getting this thing fixed up just you know it, i just wasn't using it enough but but mine sounded mine sounded amazing it was a six uh, 1968 model d um it it was all natural finish so it just you know because that will that will the the lacquering and so forth that can change the sound um 
it, it was beautiful. But you know, yeah, it's a lot. I wasn't I mean, how, playing how it much, enough. How much do you have to use it to uh, to justify keeping hold of it? I mean, but that's something we can all suffer from. I mean, how many synths have you got in the cupboard? You know, I mean, a guilty, my lord, You know, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've been thinking about that too because I've got about maybe ten cents that are literally sitting in a cupboard that I don't use. Um, yeah, the the piano was. It was just eating up too much room. Yeah. I, I played it by. maybe once a year. Wow. You know, okay. before I got rid of it, though, I did do some very extensive uh, sample work on it. <laughs> yeah, good so, move. so I've, it's, and I, and I, I've, I've used that, that sample library quite a bit. Um, I might, I might release it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I did weird mic kings. I was like 40 mics on it. <laughs> I just did this insane thing. Well, why the hell not? Um, you, uh, how often do you yeah, have exactly. one of those around to, to, to work with? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I do still have, it's, this sounds really over the top. I do still have a, another piano. I've got a, a Yamaha Grand, um, which does get more use. It's easier to record with. My, that was also the problem with the Steinways. It did sound beautiful by itself. It was tif- it was difficult to record with it because it, it it wasn't a particularly bright sounding piano. The Yamaha cuts right through, yeah. and with the Yamaha, I can also load in a MIDI file, and it will. It's a it's an actual grand oh, piano. So it'll I can create a, a, a standard MIDI file, put it on a floppy disk, and then <laughs> record it, it, and and it plays back really well. The resolution is really quite nice, and it sounds Maybe. really good. Um, I don't use that enough. But uh, I definitely use that a lot more than I ever used the Steinway. The Steinway is just, it was a beautiful piece of furniture that was just eating up too much room in my house. Yes, well, geez, I so, mean, that's massive. So there you go. I know, Dom, you play piano as well. I mean, there is, yeah. I mean, sitting at a grand piano is, a, or any kind of piano is a beautiful oh, experience. I don't think I've ever played beautiful. a Steinway. I think the closest I ever got was to the Yamahas at the Yamaha um, place when we went mm. to Japan a couple of years ago. Mm. And I sat and played a couple of those. I mean, well, I say played sort of place it's very intimidating to go and play a piano like that because there are all these people who really know how to play piano yes. and they're like ripping it up and you're there just sort of playing a few yeah. cluster chords and whatnot and keeping the sustain pedal on you know no, playing lean play. on me no i mean they are beautiful i was i was classically trained up to grade eight um and i was so bored of piano by that stage um it was really good that things like the Junos and, and, and stuff had come out and I could get into synths. But, you know, the, it, the, a, a wonderful piece of furniture taking too much room is the best way of describing it. It's, uh, they sound absolutely wonderful. I, I read they, they make a thousand of these a year. So that's a tidy little income if they're 187K. Um, wow, yeah. a piano, pianos are, I mean, piano was the first touch sensitive instrument as far as I know that's why it's called a pianoforte a soft loud you know everything else you came from the harpsichord where you pushed a key down and it plucked a string so they were very you know and organs where you pushed a note down and wind blew through a pipe so there was no there was no sensitivity involved so the piano was the first thing where you could literally you know the harder you hit the note the louder it was and the, the, the timbre changed and everything so I mean historically and sonically they sound wonderful and wouldn't it be lovely to be able to afford not just to own one but to keep it in the right environment and keep it beautifully tuned but also you can if you want a piano the chances are someone locally around you is giving one away because they just you know they, they, they sell for next to nothing and you know it's it's an amazing cross of like incredibly expensive to completely accessible you know all, all, all the time it would be lovely to own one and it'd be lovely to just play one but you can get you know, I, I, I think everyone should just play around on a piano because they're beautiful instruments. Um, yeah. They sound a lot nicer when you're learning than, say, your daughter playing a violin, for example, which can be a little <laughs> bit screechy. But, you know, Stradivarius compared to, you know, the free one you got off the school, it's it's same horses yeah. for courses, isn't it? Beautiful thing. It's, tr- it's interesting how many places have actually got... I mean, this is the thing that I can't believe. There are actually quite a lot of grand pianos out there in the world. And I'm just wondering, I mean, if you've got... A, I mean, obviously, 187 grand is high, but, I mean, imagine... They're going to be sixty grand up. Most of these, most of these things. It's amazing mm. how many there are, Dave. Isn't there in in the world? Have you? I mean, I know you like to play the piano. I mean, you haven't got a, a grand piano. You haven't got room for a grand piano. But uh, nice, nice things. I mean, have you played a Steinway? Yeah, yeah. I had to do. It was actually one of my grades that I had to do on a. And it's a really intimidating because it was a concert grand. I mean, Jesus, how big! And then you sit in front of it, and it's like, hang on, this keyboard makes no sense to me because everything's just like huge. 
and it's a really intimidating machine to try and kind of tame it's very strange uh, i think out of all of the ones i mean I, you know that was a kind of moment uh but a friend of mine runs a, a place over in oxford uni they've got a beautiful i think that's a Beckstein played that but i think out of all of them my favorites uh, the fazioli for me that was just like it just yeah, had a tone. tone. I don't know, isn't it? Yeah, there is, yeah. It's about, it is about the tone, isn't it? In many, in many cases. I mean, it's like you know, strictly speaking. I mean, the Steinway, it, the, is the the Steinway is an American brand, isn't it? So, is, does that mean it's uh, almost? It's so it's um, you have you have two different Steinways. You've got the New York Steinway, and then you've got the Hamburg Steinway, ah. and they are essentially the same company, but they command different different prices. Uh, because mine mine is a New York Steinway, and uh, and and they were the people who were auctioning it was were trying to not mention that it was a New York Steinway to let the, the buyers assume that it was made in Hamburg. But it, yeah, I don't I don't know why. But uh, but they, uh, the the buyers eventually knew. But yeah, they command different prices. They're, right. They're so they're an American and a German company, but their their affiliation is. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's quite a loose affiliation. There's probably a book in there somewhere, isn't it, about the kind of way that whole that whole work works around. But I mean, for the Steinways that um, was very much the sound of uh, a lot of the kind of classic jazz standards, wasn't it? And then uh, Becksteins were, you know, there, there's a real sort of there's a different and Bosen style. Bosen, uh, yeah. is that the that's that's the sort of yeah. classic American jazz, yeah. Uh, yeah, but well, Bosendorfers and uh, I mean, it had a lot of. Like Lichtenstein, that was another big one, which I used to have one of those. I, I gave that piano away, um, which is a shame. It's a beautiful piano, but you know, no one, no one would buy it. Um, <laughs> um, but now the band Frank Moody has it. Um, but yeah, so Bosendorfers are, are, I think that's a much flashier piano than the than the Steinway. Uh, right. It's it records really well. It's also a lot more expensive. Um, which I uh, even didn't quite realize. Crikey. Yeah, my my uh, my daughter goes to a school here, and for some reason they decide to buy a Bosendorfer, you know, for Crikey. their <laughs> to put in there, and they spent two hundred grand on it. Jeez, on a piano. Wow. <laughs> like, was, wasn't there a, like, wasn't there a thing where Steinways went up in value that they would buy? It uh, yeah, back? they, they continue to go. Rumor? And is this a rumor no, that no, they, they would all, buy it back a year later for more than you pay for it? Well, it I says a ten-year-old Stein. Sorry, carry on. I was oh. going to say just online. I, I, I it says a ten-year-old Steinway go up about about five percent a year, something like yeah. that. Oh, okay. A, a ten-year-old one goes for seventy-five percent of the retail price and goes up four percent a year. That's from Reuters, not from Steinway. So, okay. Yeah, mm. you can kind of invest away in it. Excellent. I made the mistake of going into the piano hall at Mesa with the biggest hangover that I'd ever had, <laughs> thinking oh, it'll yeah. be like gentle tinkly music no, no, in there, no, you know, no, it's no, better no. than the drum hall oh my god i mean you've got two types you've got the guys rehearsing their whole concert piece and then you've got the other guys in the in the with their head in the top of the piano kind of listening to the sympathetic resonance and stuff and i've got a balloon and i just burst it behind somebody who had his head in there and he smacked it on the top of the piano even worse than that is if you go in the first thing in the morning and you've got a hangover it's an entire room of strings being tightened so and that is a really strange experience because he's just going ding, 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 ding. it just it, it's very tense it's a very very tense atmosphere when you've got a room full of pianos being tuned. Oh, <laughs> That's a very oh different God, experience. Um, uh, yes, anyway, it's good fun. Um, I think maybe I'm going to think about quitting while I'm ahead because I'm running out of energy. Uh, and we've got some more topics for next week. I do apologise for maybe if, if there's something specific you wanted to talk to, but maybe next week we'll have some more and I might try and do another uh, version of the cloud, but I think I'm going to need a bigger computer, which is obviously <laughs> quite a lot bigger computer. But thank you very much, everybody, for sticking in with me. Dave, it's lovely to see you. Thanks for joining us in the hour. It's our thank first five-person panel for a long time, and this, this machine seemed to deal with it much better than the the massive one online but hey whatever nice to have it. any any exciting stuff going on uh, in your world that we should loads. look for loads loads that i can't talk about but um yeah no really exciting yeah we've got we've yeah things are 
yeah, think- there's a lot of changes happened and it's all like mega, mega exciting. In fact, I'm now leaving to go for another meeting back to the place with the one megabyte, one megabit broadband, one megabyte. Oh God. One megabit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm phased. Very little. Well, a lovely to have you, Dave. Thank you very much. Also, uh, Mr. You. Dominic Hawken. Uh, I guess what's who's on your show Thank this you. Sunday, Don? Have you got a guest ready? <sighs> Not quite ready yet. I never plan things in advance, but uh, it's going to be fun, whatever it is. I, I just want to say you missed a couple of uh, well, uh, super chat kind of donations. So I, I did. Say I, thanks I managed to, to get a couple. Addict. Yep, Simon Fenn, Synthetic, Wagyu and Robarth. Just big thanks to them for uh, for donating money. That all goes to uh, to Nick's big beers after the show for actually making it through this far, which is awesome. <laughs> Whatever uh, that's no, going to be. <laughs> I haven't spent please it yet. Do. It's I, can, I, need all the subscri- <laughs> I need all the subscribers I can get, so pop on over to Mr. Wiggly on YouTube. Um, yes. And it's always a laugh on Sunday. Please so, do. Yeah, it's a good one. Thank God one of us is a professional here, Dom, and, uh, and uh, <laughs> you all often have saved, you're saving, saving, it, saving my embarrassment by actually doing the proper things and doing the, saying the right stuff. Thank you, Don. Yes, do check no out stuff. And also, uh, Charles Chicky Reeves, thanks. Uh, nice to see you back on form. You sound 100% to me, so I'm glad you're through it. And uh, I look forward to hearing more tales of you being on the road. When, is, when's your, when are you out next? Are you off somewhere? Uh, I leave on Friday, going up to, I think we're doing Edinburgh, doing the Let's Rock Festival at Edinburgh. And I think, yeah, it's every weekend through October basically um but and in between then i'm just i'm writing music and working on my own sort of thing i'm i've got an album project that's coming up but it may end up being a room a non-remote thing i may have to actually go somewhere to mix it so but i'll we'll see but uh yeah that's it's it's a, it's a pretty chill schedule i like doing just the weekends that's really yeah that's really a nice thing isn't that just well uh, congratulations mm. for that gig that sounds like a dream gig thank you and also <laughs> mr great. matt hodson uh as in for aka maths i'm going to post that link to the what is it, when's it going live matt your video oh uh six o'clock tonight over on youtube.com forward slash maths maths um yeah i'll be there chatting about it it's a pretty weird video folks so um <laughs> be prepared if you've seen the little trailer on my on my youtube channel you'll You'll see what I mean, but there's a yeah. lot of a lot of weird stuff going on. But thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you, everybody. I can't do Take five care, up, but there's four up and Dave. So we'll uh, we'll <laughs> see you all. <laughs> we'll see you all very very soon. Thank you very much, uh, uh, everybody. Uh, yes. See you next Bye. time. Take care, everybody. Bye bye now. <laughs>